This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, I I asked him to. I asked him to watch at least two games this year. And and also, like, Carl is right. I mean, the the way he told me to rethink it, you know, I think that it was actually good advice. All right. So this is the Talking Tactics podcast. My name is Daniel. What's up? It's your boy, Doblish Halfop. Hey, everyone. Carl is back. Little cameo appearance. How's everyone doing? You can follow us on Twitter, at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Talking Tactics, Instagram, Talking Tactics. What else? You can follow us on Spotify for listening over there. Shout out to you guys. If you're on Apple Podcasts or an Apple device, your Mac, your iPod. Do people still have iPods? Um, iPhone, iPad, you know, subscribe. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And if you're a Patreon, you'll get your 30 to 40 minutes of Talking Tactics Extra whenever you feel like looking it up. You guys got anything coming out this week other than just football coverage? Um, Well, you know, well, basically building up to the big opening of the Copa America on 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 friday and just you know um live shows football stuff you know all that all, right. all that good stuff carl you've been away for a minute have you done anything professionally or you just been relaxing and stuff uh so i went on holiday and i came back i've just been trying to get this book done and uh i might have something for you keep reading players tribune obviously we've, we've got a big campaign now regarding women's world cup and we might have something in regards to communication officiado that's all i'll say Cool. All right. So actually, you know what? I was I was worried there's no there's no games, Premier League's over, Champions League's over. But this past week, like post Champions League, it's been pretty eventful. I think the major news is Eden Hazard has officially left Chelsea. It was rumored kind of all season that he was just doing the club a solid in terms of I'll play one season with for you guys and then I'll end up going to Madrid. And that's what happened. Um I believe the price, the the, the figures are all over the place, you see a lot of numbers, but I think the official number is eighty-eight and a half million up front. Yes, with the potential of add-ons up until I think one hundred and thirty million pounds. Yes. So for a player on his last with one year left on his deal, and has announced to the world after the after winning the Europa League that it's time for a new adventure, for Marino Granovskia to somehow finesse up to one thirty potentially out of Madrid, I think that's quite impressive. So, so what is the final fee? Eighty-eight point five. Just that's guaranteed, and then the potential of add-ons. So, so probably things like appearances, <laughs> goals scored. If you win the Champions League, if you win the Ballon d'Or, all those type of things. Potentially, if he wins the Euros or something like that, it would trigger clauses that could equal one thirty. But well, the flat rate is basically ninety mil. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is, uh, I, I believe the idea is very much based on. League titles, Champions League victories, whether or not Hazard makes the Ballon d'Or shortlist. And uh, I think there is something else in regards to goals scored. It's a good deal. It's a, it's like the flat rate is a good deal for Real Madrid. 88, 90 million for a player of Hazard's age who's able to produce Hazard's stuff is a fantastic deal. And then also, if Hazard does produce the way that we all think he can, and most definitely is likely to do in Spain, Chelsea get an extra 50 million. Well, I say 50, 40 to 40 to, 
you know, 30 to 40 million. I think, you know, we are all hazard evangelists on this podcast. We all believe he is, you know, Dan, you can insert the audio of you losing your mind when he scored <laughs> a couple episodes ago where you said he's top two and he's not two. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that man, Eden. <laughs> Top, top three, top three, top two, and he's not two. And I've always said he's one of the best players in the Premier League. I think he's an absolute blue chip. And Hazard, you've said similar things about whatnot. I think Hazard is like Neymar, but also Hazard is clutch. Whereas Neymar, even though Neymar had the most clutch performance ever, Neymar might not be clutch. The interesting thing for Hazard is how is the front three of Hazard, Benzema, and also new striker, Luka Jovic, how is that going to work? Because I don't see that working. Do you? No, no, I, I think no, but basically for me, I believe that they need that right-sided player. Because in my view, it, it works. You've got to play Hazard left, Jovic, striker, screw Benzema, Isco as the, as, an, as a non-number 10, and you've, and you've got okay. to play Mbappe. So you want to you keep Isco? Because mm. I think this, this signing, the Hazard signing, in addition to Jovic, means that you need a new midfielder in there and you need a midfielder who can do some of the defensive burden alongside Casemiro because you can't have a midfield of Casemiro, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric and a front three of Hazard, Jovic and Benzema because that is far too much work for Casemiro to cover. Which is why, I'm as a Manchester United fan, which is why I'm beginning to get a bit... Oh, man, Paul Pogba's going, isn't he? Um, <laughs> well, it's, it, it, well, apparently it's... It, well, Apparently, Florentino Perez wants Pogba and uh, Zinin Zidane wants Christian Eriksen. But it, 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 it's terrifying, isn't it? It's proper. We were all going, Zinin Zidane's a master of timing. Him coming back definitely means he's going to get a massive checkbook. And I think as a United fan, I went, oh, God, Real Madrid going to spend a lot of money. And as a Chelsea fan, Daniel, you went, oh, God, Real Madrid about to take my player. And it, it's it's come to fruition. Real Madrid have begun flexing their muscles and they're it looks like they're gonna spend a lot more money before this transfer window is done. They've got they've got Militao, they've got uh Hazard, they've mm-hmm. got Jovic, they're gonna get Mendy, Furland Mendy from Leon. Yes. And I remember Real Madrid fans saying it's kind of the best case scenario in, in terms of Cristiano left. The team struggled but they still got Champions League. They crashed out of the Champions League and it almost get it's going to give Perez the incentive or at least the permission really to spend a lot of money to redo things. So when you talk about they haven't bought a midfielder yet and it's coming. So you say Ericsson, you say Pogba, what's the guy from Leon? Um in Dombele, someone like that, if they could put him plug him in midfields. It's coming. I they're gonna spend at least four hundred mil. Oh, and yeah, they can is, do it because because they're Real Madrid and FFP doesn't matter with them in the same way it might with some other clubs. So they're good. I feel as if this hasn't really happened under Zidane, right? Zidane has never splurged in the transfer market. Yes, he won three Champions Leagues in a row, but he very much did that through his tactical adaptations of the BBC. Uh, He didn't really go out and and nick a blue-chip player from someone else. This is Zidane's first chance to really build a squad in his own image. And it's going to be interesting to see Zidane as the true football manager, so to speak. Because we, you know, mm. we've, we've talked about Zidane in this thing, that he's, his advantages are he is uh, he's tactically flexible. And one of the big things about Zidane is if Zidane tells you to shut up and do something, you listen to him because he's in it in Zidane. Rather than Zidane knows how to use Geigen pressing or 
tell Raheem Sterling to stand on the spot and then they can score the triple tack cross. Um, so I'll give you £10 right now, an imaginary £10, and I say you're allowed to make one bet involving Real Madrid for next season. What are you betting on? That's tough. I don't even know where to start. Like, I I don't think they're going to win the Champions League or anything like that. Okay. I, 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 whatever I, you want to bet on. I, I still think Barcelona win La Liga. So I'm trying to think of like what trophies are left or what thing is left. Maybe like Jovic is the La Liga top scorer. How about that? Are you mad? Over, <laughs> over, over, over Messi? No, that's his bet. That's his bet. That's his bet. What's your I'm, one? Just, I'm just trying to think of like something that would make me money. So I would assume people would have Messi as the favorite. So mm. if I put $10 on or 10 pounds on Jovic, I can make some money. What are you feeling, Hope? I'll give you £10 and you're allowed to make a, a Real Madrid-based bet for Rick next season. What, what are you going to bet on? I'll bet on, check this out, Benzema to be top scorer. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, top scorer at Real Madrid or top scorer in La Liga? In La Liga. I'll, I'll give you your same question. What would you bet on? Bet on them winning the Champions League again. I think he's got a special... I think Zidane has a special hoodoo over that trophy and I think... If that front three clicks, that's a front three on par with Liverpool's at least. So, do we know about Bale? Like, is Bale definitely leaving, staying? Like, Bale, Bale, Bale can leave. So, we know for a fact Kaylon Navas is going. So, they've wanted to get rid of Kaylon Navas for a while. And Zidane loves Navas. And Navas is, is good friends with Ramos and Modric and other key members of the Real Madrid dressing room. But it's become apparent that Courtois has to be the number one. Navas has to move moved on. So, Zidane is moving on Navas and promoting his son to be the new number two behind Courtois, which is this weird, are you just doing what Perez says so you get your son involved as the number two of Real Madrid? Uh, which, you know, always speaks to Zidane's great strength. Even when he loses, he finds a way to win. Um, so Navas is gone. We know that for sure. We know for a fact that Gareth Bale is available for sale. It looks as if Isco seems to be available. Isco, man, Isco makes me really sad. You, you remember on this podcast before the World Cup, I was going, this is it. This is the year where people find out Isco's the best player in the world. He's going to be a Ballon d'Or top three. And it looked as if it was all set for him to to take over that Real Madrid side post-Ronaldo, win a World Cup with, with Spain and become one of the best players in the world. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Lopetegui didn't fancy him. Solari didn't fancy him. And then Zidane came back and Zidane's going, what are you doing? Um, so that seems that. So it looks very much like Isco is available for sale. Bale's available for sale. Navas is available for sale. So that's three. All right. I was just I was curious about Bale. How does this affect Chelsea losing Eden Hazard? Like they're going to be in ninth place? <laughs> no, no. That's the that's the beauty. I have no idea <laughs> because if you just assume that okay, Hazard is gone, transfer ban, then it's a case of who is the manager coming in? If you're going to assume Sarah is going to join Juventus, who's the manager coming in? And how well he's going to work with the youthful players and the loanies that he's going to bring back. So literally, it's almost impossible to know because you can't assume that oh Chelsea are going to be ninth and eighth. It's like Chelsea have a lot of very talented loanies that they have out there. So if you have the right man- manager and everything, like they're not winning the, the league. That's that's not happening. But they could surprise everyone and come third. You see, it's interesting because people say oh Chelsea got eighty eight or ninety million. Let's say if they if they knew they were going to sell Hazard from last summer. Then what they did is they bought Pulisic with for sixty million euros, I think. Yep. So they basically spent most of that money already. Yep. Um, can I can I say something right now? Go ahead. I, and I, uh, this is something I've really got to get off my chest. Pulisic is trash. 
He's overrated, not trash, he's overrated. And part of this is, but half hope is correct. He, I, I think there is an undue amount of smoke being blown up him for is him being, for, like, him being the, for him being the next American great hope. But and what I'm saying, this is entirely irrational. I need Pulisic to be trash. He's done nothing wrong. He seems to be a very nice boy, a somewhat talented footballer. But if Pulisic wasn't American, we'd be talking about him. We wouldn't be going for that much money. I I think Pulisic is trash. I can't wait for him to be trash. Damn. I cannot wait for. <laughs> Six games into the season, where it turns out he's trash, Young and I can begin my Pulisic is American hero, man. And I cannot, and I can't wait to begin my Pulisic's trash agenda because I need that boy to be a brick. Quite a few from people like that really, to this podcast in the United States, you know, from like a really <laughs> deep, disgusting, like a part of my body I'm not proud of, but I need that boy to be a brick. I think he's a brick. I can't wait for him to turn out to be a brick, and I can't it wait for is, him to go. It I is told peculiar you so, brick, that like. it is. It is peculiar that. I guess Sancho benched him, and then he went for sixty. It's 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 mostly the hype of like he's the next American superstar, whatever the case may be. Loki, I call him Bleached Williot because Ooh, <laughs> that's too much. Because if you look at his stats and his and the the way he plays, he plays just like Williot. He's he's a great dribbler, great turn of pace, works diligently. Like, I would never question his technique or anything like that. In that case, he's, like, very much not American. However, he doesn't score that many goals. He's he's going to get you more assists than goals, I think. And Chelsea have always needed somebody on that right side, and now even on the left, who's capable of scoring at least 15, 20 goals a season, especially if you don't have a striker, which mm. Chelsea don't. Pilicic isn't that guy. He's, he's not going to get you goals. So for me, he's just exchanging a Willian-type player for another one. And if fans have been pissed off with Willian for the past three, four seasons, I don't expect them to like, oh, Pulisic is going to be great, other than the fact that maybe there's a lot of American fans who won't want to say a bad word about him. So, yeah. Speaking of striker, I thought thought it was very um, sad how adamant Morata was about not wanting to go back to Chelsea. That boy, he is fully like, nope, I want want Athletics to buy me. I don't want to go back to Chelsea. I'd like completely lost my confidence. I was broken as a, as a human being. I'm so much happier in Madrid. I do not want to go back to Chelsea. I don't care what's possible. Please, Chelsea, make my dream happen and let me stay at Madrid. And I believe similar things were said by Bakayoko as well, where he just basically went, "No, I want to stay in Milan. I don't. I don't want to go back to Chelsea. I don't want to do that again." Yeah, his I, agent, his agent uh, Bakayoko, who I think is also his brother, came out and said he's uh, Bakayoko is going back to Chelsea. Because basically, I think his Milan stay was contingent on the fact that they made Champions League football yes. and then had enough money to, to trigger the, I think it's 40 million euro clause. Mm-hmm. They didn't, so they don't. So he's going back to Chelsea. And I don't know if he stays, but again, as kind of half hope alluded to, we don't know anything. We don't know who the manager is going to be. So maybe the manager wants back Kyoko. I guess Czech's coming in as technical director yes, in some capacity. So uh, maybe Czech likes him. And he's able to use whatever powers he gains to keep a hold of him. Like we, it's half of us right. Like we don't know anything, so it's very strange. Um, do you guys want to talk about Sari potentially going to Juventus, or you just got want to wait until it happens? Yeah, there's, it's there's probably so, it's going to be announced tomorrow morning. I guarantee. It, yeah, there is so much smoke around that that I'm assuming there's fire. Apparently, he um, Sari said talked to Chelsea after the Europa League final and and said. Juventus is on, and I'd very much like to go. So, Dan, who would you like to be the next Chelsea manager? <laughs> Have you seen the shortlist? 
the shortlist is Javi Garcia from Watford. Mm-hmm. It's Not Maximiliano Allegri. It's Frank Lampard and Laurent Blanc. I mean, and, Allegri and, is... I, and I think Steve Holland, the England number two. I look at those five choices and I think Garcia, no. Just because you did all right at Watford, nah. I look at Steve Holland and Frank Lampard. And between the two, I think I'd rather have Hold Steve on. Holland because really? Frank Lampard, he's he's only managed for one season. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the environment in which to bring Frank Lampard. Like I think Frank Lampard needs more, kind of like what Zidane had, kind of like a finished team that you just needed to plug a legend into. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's the right time to bring someone like Lampard in because if it goes bad, you really think Chelsea fans, like you can't take Frank Lampard, Frank Lampard being sacked like that. No, that can't happen. The game is the game. Yeah, but you should, never should have hired him in the first place. You're not kind of fired Chelsea fired Mourinho a second time. And uh, Liverpool fired Kenny Dalglish. Look, all your legends will go outside. Like, there's That's a time to hire happen. and a time not to. And this is not the time to hire Frank Lampard. Maybe maybe in a couple of years. Would you take Allegri? I'm, I'm getting Hell there. no. Laurent Blanc? Please. Of the five names that I've seen on the shortlist, the, the one I would take is Allegri because I think he's tactically flexible enough. He can play three at the back, four at the back, two strikers, one striker. He can he can mold a squad. And if you're going to have a transfer ban, which Chelsea appealed, but I don't think they appealed the they, – they appealed the ban in general, but not to get rid of the ban this summer. So if you're going to have a transfer ban, I would like at least to have a manager who's a bit flexible in that way and could play – different formations, is able to use different players in that sense. So of those managers, I think I would trust Allegri more with the squad, but it's not good either way, even if Sarri were to stay. Of the six, like, no, it's just, it's not a good situation at Chelsea in general. So you're throwing a manager into a mess, like you're setting them up to fail. And it's like, who do I trust more? Get seventh or sixth. I think it's a. I think it's. Oh, Allegri. I don't. I don't think seven or six is a thing. I think Wolves is. I think it is. I think Leicester are going to get better. I think Wolves are going to get better. I think if Newcastle get this takeover and Mourinho New- goes uh, there, they're going to be better. Sorry, what? Have hope. Yeah, tell him, tell him I've, man. I've 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 had that rumor, man. Very what? Down. Absolutely yep. not. <laughs> Look, uh, uh, Newcastle. They're rumored to be sold, and the mm-hmm. Sheikh, who I think is the cousin of the, um, the Man City owners. The two names that he wants, Mourinho or Wenger. That's who he wants to come into Newcastle and redo everything. I guess he was watching B in Sport and saw them. (laughs) I was like, all right, let's try it. But, yeah, so Mourinho at Newcastle, that's your perfect club that you've been saying Mourinho needs to take a step down, a club where there's little expectation and all that kind of stuff. Like, he'd be perfect at Newcastle if he goes there. That's another club that's on the come up. And they're going to spend a bunch of money. Like I've seen rumors that Falcao's are going to go to Newcastle. Like it's a whole thing. So look, I think Chelsea are like the Europa League, but they're going to be in the Champions League. Oh, if if you're in the Champions League, you need a manager that's Champions League capable. Like we can have arguments of whether or not Allegri is or not, but I think he's been in two finals. Maybe. No, but, he, but he had Juventus. No, no, come on. That, that means nothing, man. He, he, had, he had he had not a great he had a Juventus from Conte that had won three Serie A's in a row and he made them better. You've, Did they win the Champions League? No, because um no 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 we've been here before we've been here before and and I'm I don't they like, ran into Barcelona Madrid and like the best front three of all time so yeah I don't can, defend can we blame them 
I don't like defending Allegri now, especially after the Moise Khan situation. But the best managers in the world play are in the Premier League, right? So Pep, Klopp, Poch, to a degree, Sari. I think there's at least four or maybe even five of the best managers in the world are in the Premier League. No, and I think Emery? The... No, Emery's not. No. <laughs> Emery's a... I was, M- Emery... I was joking. I was joking. I was joking. Okay. Um, and I think the band below that, of the band below the super manager, the band below the Klopp and the Pep, I think Allegri is up there. I think it's Allegri, Deschamps, Zidane in like tier two of managers. Conte. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we describe people as store brand on this podcast. There's also like luxury brand. I think maybe Allegri's luxury brand Emery, if that makes sense. Luxury brand. Yeah, he's just Allegri, like a, a better version of Emery. Emery. Emery and Allegri aren't too dissimilar, but Allegri is smarter than than Emery. Allegri has a slightly more, um, I want to say Italian. nuance, but also he, he also just look like this means, this shouldn't mean as much as it does. He looks like a scary mother. He does. He, he doesn't look, look as scary as Conte, but he does look no. like he'll fuck you up. Allegri telling you something and Emery telling you something, who are you going to listen to? Allegri. Allegri. Allegri, yeah, right, and and Allegri, <laughs> Allegri, just 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 by the way those two boys look, uh, and sometimes football management can be that serious or unserious. Something I found particularly interesting is um how Zinin Zidane does not yell at the Spanish or Portuguese speaking players at Real Madrid. He just stares at them. Apparently, he just has a stare, and he just goes once he like locks eyes and you let the Brazilians and the uh, Spanish players are like, well, okay, I'm in trouble. Let me sort my life out. I believe it. And I think Zidane staring at you, yeah, yeah, I'll do something. Emery staring at you, what's this boy going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's me, right? And that's why that's why Emery at PSG was never going to work out, because what's he going to do? And, and that's why Chukela's PSG is, is not going to work as well. One special mention about how Conte's become the new manager of Inter Milan. So that's there is a scenario next season where you've got Sari at Juventus, Conte at Inter, and I think there's another ex Chelsea manager in there somewhere as well. Ancelotti and Napoli. So your top three are all ex Chelsea managers. And who knows? A- a- uh, AC Milan don't have a manager, so who knows? This what is very they, true. What, what if they go higher hitting? You never know. You never. Or know. Mourinho? Hell, like you know, I was saying. Mourinho can't go to AC. Oh, he yeah, he can't go to AC Milan because he was inter manager. And people were telling me like, nah, like look in Italy, everyone shares everything. So maybe Mourinho could go to Milan. Chelsea have ran through Italy. That's another reason why maybe I don't want Allegri. Like, how many Italians can you have? Yes, Di Matteo, Ancelotti, uh, Sari, Conte. Um, who was the player manager? Viali. Like, can we go somewhere else? <clears throat> One final thing about Chelsea. Congratulations to Callum Hudson Odoi, who's about to sign a 130 grand a week contract, five year deal to Chelsea. And it also looks very likely that he's going to take Eden Hazard's number 10 shirt, which we, he, like, he said he would. He, he told me he would one day, and uh, fair play. Chelsea got Reese James out for three months with a broken ankle. Damn. They got Callum Hudson Odoi out for four or five months, six months with a ruptured Achilles and lost his cheek the same. It's all bad. It's all bad. But yes, the, the Nations bad? League. Is it really bad? Yes, yes, have hope. The Nations League. Now, have hope. I'm going to assume you watched most of these games for your YouTube channel, or you were on break. So, did you watch? No, no, you're not. I was on a break in in, in on Paris. I only watched the final. Portugal were deserved winners. They completely were the better team. It just shows that 
Netherlands are still they're still learning the ropes, you know. And Kuman has done a lot of jobs to improve them. But look, man, these guys are coming from not qualifying for World Cups and Euros to reaching a Nations League final. So you could just say that Portugal are much further ahead in their process. Santos you... is a bloody amazing manager. He may not be attacking and flowing, but as far as organization and being hard to break down, Santos is a is a genius. Do you accept it as they've won maybe not a major trophy, but like not a basically, minor one? You know, basically, Nations League for me is like the Confederations Cup. Oh, so, no. I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than the Confederations Cup. No, 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 no. no. From, no it is, it is, it is. Like, it's, it's a glorified Confederations Cup. Like, it's for me, it's between a friendly and a major trophy. Like, it's not a major trophy, but it's not it's really. Like, major, it's, 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 it's like the Carabao Cup, Cup right? Uh, maybe the Europa League of the. No, no, I'll take that. It's the Carabao Cup. Yeah, in the it's same the way that, Cup of yeah. like it, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. In the same way that like, winning the Carabao Cup can be a big deal and help you win a league title, but also it can also just be a freak one-off. I think, I think in time we'll view the Nations League as a Carabao Cup or maybe a Europa League quality tournament. I imagine, the, I imagine the Portuguese national team has gone right. We've won the last Euros. We've won the Nations League. Why can't we win the next Euros? And they'll probably use it to a galvanizing effect. And it's going to be one of those things that it's going to. The young players that are playing in it, that it we shouldn't just take the Nations League as just these two games as the semi-finals and the final because there was all the the Nations League friendlies we had before, hmm. G- Netherlands beating Germany in the final minute, England defeating Spain away from home, um, England defeating uh, Croatia. Sorry, I'm being very England centric because those are Europe Nations League games I watched. I thought it was a good tournament. Obviously, that is coloured by the fact that England were good at it for a little bit. How did you feel about Kane starting in the final? <laughs> In the final, in the semi-final. Um, oh, semi-final, sorry. He didn't start the semi-final. He, uh, he came off the bench. But yeah, I, 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 I said it after the third. Now, there shouldn't be a third-place playoff. Let's, let's be really real. You don't need a third-place playoff in a third-tier international tournament. <laughs> Get rid of that immediately and just have semi-finals and a final. I don't even think you should have a third place in the World Cup, to be honest with you. Yeah, true. I, um, I agree with that. Let's get rid of that. But Harry Kane, yeah, I, that's, I think we need to have a dialogue about Harry Kane and Harry Kane's ankles and why he keeps doing this. Because he's, I was listening to the podcast we had, you had last week, last week perhaps, where you saying, why did you start Harry Kane? And I want to disagree with you slightly. I think if Harry Kane tells you he's fit, it's better that you start him and then only use one substitute to take him off rather than substitute him on. He breaks down after five minutes and you have to use another substitute to replace him. So on the basic thing, if Harry Kane told you he's fit, you start him. But also, someone needs to start telling Harry Kane, you're not fit, go away. And I don't... <laughs> How can you do that? Like, don't, he's don't like know, the greatest I don't know. player since I don't know. Jimmy Greaves or something. I don't know who does that, right? So Pochettino does not have the squad depth to tell him no. Pochettino is would, if Pochettino told Harry Kane he's not fit, Harry Kane would listen. Pochettino doesn't have to play a squad, doesn't have the squad depth to do that. Um, Gareth Southgate, very very nice man, doesn't quite strike me as someone who would tell Harry Kane and sit him down nicely and go, Harry, if you keep doing this, you're not going to be able to play in 2024. Sit down. Um, I don't want to see Harry Kane playing football until September. Till September, right? I don't want to see that guy in August because we know he doesn't like scoring in August, but. This is getting quite worrying about. So, hope you call him Harry Claim. Let's, yeah. let's really, let's really, let's, let's get, let's get to the nitty gritty, right? We've talked about Harry, Harry Kane. He 
swore on his daughter's life that he took that he got a touch on that ball so he could try and get the golden boot. He yep. once claimed that the hypnotherapy his wife undertook for their birth of their second child would help him make a better would help him become a better striker. He also said, "What was it that he said?" Uh, He's, he's recently said that he's going to undergo some of the most ridiculous preseason training right now but so he can get ready for next season. He, We know for a fact Harry Kane, um, when he was on loan at Leicester and he didn't understand what was going on with his career, watched a documentary about Tom Brady and said, oh, wow, Tom Brady came, got drafted, one of the last people ever. He transformed himself into a six-time champion. Kane is singly focused. He believes in the gambler's paradox, which I've talked about properly before. He watches documentaries about Brady, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and he's, and like is trying to build himself up to be this sort of Mamba mentality, take on all costs thing. That's nonsense. One of the most dangerous things ever. You cannot copy these people's psychopathy if you're not cut out for it, right? If you're not born with Kobe Bryant's broken brain, don't... <laughs> Don't try and copy it, right? If you're not the type of person, if you didn't grow up age 15, remember all the players that got picked before you like Michael Jordan did, don't do it. Don't put that up Dream on yourself. Dream on. You know, Dream yeah. on can name every, he, I think he got drafted 38th. Yep, and he can and name, he can name every- all 37 people that got drafted before him. Like, right, wow. some, people, some people are born with that, right? And some people are trying to teach themselves that. Don't try and teach yourself that. Don't try and put that evil on your chest. Because it will end up badly. And here we are. Harry Kane, who is you know broken, what I think it is? smashed up ankles, dropping disaster classes. It's worrying. You know what I think it is? I think he doesn't trust himself. I, I, I think that meant from like a little kid, he was with Arsenal. They probably cut him. Then he went to Spurs. They sent him on loan a bunch of times. And he he got in and he played well. But I think maybe somewhere in the back of his head, he's like, if I miss one game, Mm. somebody's going to take my spot like I took out of by yours or somebody's going to come in and do what I did to them basically. So there's no way I'm going to sit out any game because that could be the chance for someone to take my spot. But he needs to realize like you are who you are now. Like you you scored 110, 120 and 150 games. Like you're, you're solidified. Like your England spot's not going anywhere. Your Tottenham shirt's not going anywhere. So you can I mean, take whoa, your time whoa, and, whoa, whoa, and come whoa, whoa. back. Both of them, this is the thing, right? And this is also the thing. His England spot's not going anywhere. Is it? Callum Wilson oh, it, good. it will now, now that he's himself. Yeah. Bro, we are, look, we have to be, we have to just be real about Harry Kane, man. Is he really as, as good as the English media make him out to, to, to be? Yes. There are two different conversations here. Harry Kane has had a bad season, right? He came to the season injured from the World Cup. He had a little, nice little August thing. He played fine. So Harry Kane last season was brilliant. Like Last season, there was Suarez. And Lewandowski, best strikers in the world. And then below them, it was Kane and Nakadi. This season, Kane and Nakadi, nowhere near. Turns out Suarez has been playing on a busted knee all the time. Lewandowski's old. And then I think if you want to read on top of like great strikers, you've got like number nines, you've got Aguero, Pitek. That's maybe about it in terms of out and out number nines, because we're all doing this weird inside forward thing. Jovic right. had a good season. Sorry, my mistake entirely. Jo- Jovic, who is just a complete gunman. And I'll. Um, Communication officiado. I'll talk to you about that later. Um, so there's that. Kane, Kane came into the season hurt and played hurt. And he looked as if he was hurt all season. Didn't look as if he had a break. Smashed his ankles again. Should not be playing football until September. And I think 
I don't want Kane revisionism to say Harry Kane was never as good as we said he was because he was. And there was a point in time where he looked like as if he might have been even better. But I don't think we might... If Kane doesn't sort himself out quickly, if he doesn't get either back up the Spurs or a manager to tell him to sit down, he will not reach the Alan Shearer type levels that he very much can reach, that are very much within his grasp. Um, and that, that's all I really want to talk about Harry Kane. And I think in terms of England, it's the same things. England are amazing when they've got their pacey street ball read black players on the ball and they're counter-attacking. Damn. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, not, that's not mess around. You get... Break all stuff, bro. <laughs> when the man them get the ball for England, we're looking saucy. <laughs> that, that Spain sunlight did something to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, though. It's true. Like, it's I'm refreshed. Stuff. I'm refreshed. England's England's greatest strength is pace. So England's attack can be up there with nearly every other attack in world football. Their midfield can't dominate games for more than half an hour at a time because there's no real metronomic passer. You know how players get better when they're injured. And you know, oh, if you got this player back from injury, they'd change everything. I think we're beginning to see that now with England and Harry Winks, where there's this sort of thing that Harry Winks is going to be the next great hope. No, Harry Winks doesn't look as if he'll be that player. And I think one thing for England is they need to drop Eric Dyer. They need to drop Kyle Walker. Bring in Trent Alexander-Arnold. See what can be done with uh, Oxley Chamberlain and uh, Jordan Henderson, and then What's go for that. Good, uh, the West Ham kid, Rice. Declan Rice. I'm not. I'm not convinced by Declan Rice. And I say this as like Man United are probably going to spend forty to fifty million to buy him, but nah, I wouldn't do that. Nah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's the guy yet. England, England, England are fine, but the big worry is obviously Spain will probably be better. Italy will probably catch up soon. Germany will probably sort themselves out. France aren't going to get any worse, despite the Turkey result. Um, and that's that. Speaking into a Women's World Cup, how hope you've been watching. You said you wouldn't, or you yeah, said it didn't interest you, but but you lied. Like it's actually interesting. Yeah, no, no, no. For me, I think what Carl said is key. It's a, it's a different sport. If I go in there expecting what I expect from watching men's football. <laughs> then there's no Sorry. point. But I think by him saying it's a different sport, my expectations are different and I look at it differently. And once I do, it's actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> it's actually pretty dumb entertaining, you know? Like, it's just very exciting. Um, I think the best player I've seen has been Cristiane from Brazil, who's scored a hat-trick. Um, like, how freaky goes bloody I'm, I'm, I'm amazing. Um, it's been interesting, you know? It's been interesting. And I think... Because I actually remember, I think I do remember watching the first ever Women's World Cup in 99. And I was like, what the hell is this? But since 1999 to now, oh no, it's been a vast improvement. I mean, it still needs to improve. I think the key difference you, you're, you're seeing is you won't see that individual quality from a player. And there's still a few kind of basic mistakes that are being made. But compared to what it was in 99 to what it is now, I think it's been like, basically, what's it? yeah, 20, 20 years. Yeah, it's been a big improvement. So yeah, basically, yeah. very exciting. <laughs> it was very exciting. My, I did, we, we talk a lot about like our first World Cup, right? And normally that means the men's World Cup. So I always talk a lot about 98. I remember the 99 World Cup. I remember watching the final. I think it was USA against China. It went down to penalty shootouts. Yeah. And Brandy Chastain made the penalty. And wow. she took her shirt off. And I was eight years old, eight, nine. 
And I was like, what is that black thing? Like, why is she wearing that? Like, <laughs> but, but, but it was, it was her sports bra. And I just, I didn't, it didn't compute that. Like it was a big deal. Like when she celebrated and she took her shirt off, but I watched it live. I was like, what is that black thing? <laughs> Cause I, just, I, I didn't register what a bra was at the time. So that's like my first woman's football memory. Probably. I don't remember any of the, the rounds before that, but I definitely remember her taking her shirt off. Like, what is that? Like what? But yeah, um, I watched the opener. Um, and I'm watching Canada Cameroon right now as we record. Canada are winning, which is it's bittersweet because like I'm happy Canada's winning, but the African teams aren't doing too great. So yeah, that's uh, a <laughs> yeah. Low, low, low key, this tournament is anti-black. Low key is anti-black. <laughs> Although, like, but like, look, France. France have a lot of sisters in the team. Brazil. We we already know what Brazil is like. What's what's the um, the, the the tall woman on on France that was just yeah, like Renard. every set piece? Renard. Wendy Renard is an incredible woman. So she, she looks like Van Dyke. Like she, in terms of like she, it, 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 it was like Van Dyke against uh, a youth team. So she is six foot one. She is a four time. Cha- she's won the last four women's Champions Leagues in a row with Lyon. Damn. One thing you have to understand: Lyon, Lyon's women's team is the most dominant sporting team in the world like regardless of what sport you play no one wins more they've won the last they've done they've done the treble treble uh so the last three seasons they've done the treble they've won the last four champions leagues in a row they've got wendy renard who's basically the best defender in the world so when you say she's like virgil van dyke she is virgil van dyke in terms of an imperious center back wendy renard has 90 career goals for a defender that's insane yep so it is what you saw against Korea, basically. Put it on Wendy Renard's head and she's like, all right, bet. Done, done. Uh, so she plays for France. She was born in Martinique in the Caribbean. Um, lost her father to cancer age 12. Um, flew 8,000 miles for a trial at Clairefontaine. So from Martinique to France, did a trial at Clairefontaine in her teenage years. She failed it. And they're like, that's it. You have to go back. You're not going to be a women's footballer anymore. She's like, oh, God. I like bet my entire life on passing this trial was about to get in a cab to go back to the Caribbean. And her uncle went, hang on, let me make a quick phone call, phoned up a friend of a friend, got a trial at Leon. And Leon was like, oh yeah, she's the best center back. Get her in the team immediately. So that's just one story of the women's world cup. I recommend you check out many stories. They're all in players tribune. So Wendy Renard, uh, Frank Kirby for England, Wang Shuang for China is, is a particularly interesting one. So they call her lady Messi. She does not like that nickname at all. Wang Shuang, particularly noble because she is a child of divorce in China, which is uh, not particularly usual. And she's also the only member of the Chinese national team who plays outside of China. So she plays a PSG women, which is trying their best to chase Leon. But Leon are, they've got all the infinity stones. They've got Wendy Renard. They've now got Lucy Bronze, who is phenomenal for England. They've got Ada Hagerberg, who is the Ballon d'Or winner, who was not at the World Cup. Yeah, I was, was going to ask you about her. I was going to ask she you if you could like, kind of explain her story. She has beef with Norway, which I will explain in a bit. And they were about to get, um, Leon's about to sign Nikita Paris, who now, mate, Nikita Paris is a gunman. Record goal scorer in the um, Women's Super League in England. She's Luka Jovic-esque in terms of give me the ball and I'll put it in the net. Um, so check her out. Check out Sam Kerr for Australia. She's Australia's captain. Australia have one of the worst defences I've ever seen in any football tournament ever. Um, but they've got Sam Kerr, who is a record goal scorer, not only in the Australian League, where she plays, but also in the United States League, where she also plays. Sam Kerr is such a good striker. She plays for two club teams simultaneously. Got to get that money. 
Damn right. Uh, so check out Sam Kerr. She Sam Kerr featured in the Nike advert. If I, if some of you have seen it, so she's the girl that scores the final goal right at the end for Australia. So check her out. Um, but yes, Ada Heigelberg. One of the really interesting things about this World Cup is the best player in the world isn't there. Uh, so Ada Heigelberg plays for Leon, unreal, treble treble winner, scores goals for fun, like a proper old school number nine. One thing about women's football is at the very top level. So the very top level, like the the, uh, forgive me for saying this, the UEFA coached teams. So this World Cup will most likely be won by either France, England, United States, Germany, or the Netherlands. Um, when you watch those teams, it's really interesting. And it's quite easy to coach and explain what's going on in a football game than if you're watching mental. Because so much of mental football now, everyone plays at such a high level. Goals are quite hard to come by unless something goes wrong. Whereas in women's football, everyone's got slightly less quality. So it's a lot easier for you to explain. They're moving this way to do this. So one really easy way to explain this is when there's a goal kick, there are far less ambidextrous goalkeepers. So you can see everyone on the pitch move to the right or left-hand side of the pitch. Because that's where the goal is clearly going to kick. Um, and you can do really cool things like that about how France are a team that press compared to South Korea, which don't press. And that's why I like watching women's football because it's very, oh, that's what they're doing. Ada Heigerberg, Norwegian player, one of the best players in the world, doesn't play for Norway because she um, came back from Euro 2017 with Norway when Norway got knocked out of the groups or the quarters I believe and she basically said I've, I've had enough of the level of disrespect the Norwegian FA gives the women's national team the, so the Norwegian FA has always talked about this in terms of money saying oh we pay the the men and the women roughly the same amount whereas Ada has gone no it's not about money it's about respect so um, I've got a transcript up right now of what she said in, in regards to what the Norwegian Damn. so this is like a it's a personal boycott essentially it's, she's personally boycotting this World Cup she personally boycotts the Norwegian national team. So she does not want to be associated with the Norwegian national team until the Norwegian national team and women's football in general makes it a matter of fact that certain provisions are guaranteed in women's football. So the last time Ada Heigerberg was part of the squad, um, the squad, the Norwegian squad was given one single T-shirt to as their kit for 10 days. Damn. Right. <laughs> they were given they were given uh one size fits all socks. They were given one size fits all socks, which are several sizes too big for many of the players. Oh my god. Um the oh nutritional god. advice given from the national team was basically a bunch of medics telling teenage girls they're too fat and need to slim down. So very insensitive stuff rather than catered nutritional advice. So basically that you're right, you're gonna eat that fat, fat, fatty. Um, the women's teams, considering how much more successful the women's teams are at international than they are to the men's teams, the amount of money the women's team gets in relation to the men's team is way out of joint. Um, mm. One really interesting thing is, unless you are one of the top 20 teams in women's football, it's near impossible to get football boots for women's football, unless you've like, got a nice sponsorship. So if you're a Norwegian men's player, you get free football boots from your supply whenever there's like a lorry full of boots whereas women are, women get as many boot, the men get as many boots as they want through all the kit suppliers the women's team got one pair of boots each damn these are the no, 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 many that's one jersey thing is crazy that's yeah one, like like i still have a, it's a school, one, one shirt for 10 days like you have to wash it in the sink <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. so these you are know, many you know what you know what i i, I see this sometimes but it never registered like 
if you watch a game and like a little kid wants the shirt and like the mm-hmm. athlete says no, imagine like this is the only shirt I have. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And like it's, it's it's not like you can wear last year's shirt either because like nope. you know so the, like I, the other things you said, I'm just kind of like okay, but one shirt for ten days. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that's like just the the tip of the iceberg in terms. Do we know of if her boycott's being effective? Like, have they remedied any of these situations in order to no, try no, to no, get no, her back? Or the Norwegian FAs decided to back the coaching team and they said we're going to move on with players that do want to play with us. Um, so it's a very good chance the best player in the world. Yeah. It's a very good chance the very best player in the world will not play this football for, for on the national level, which is which is okay, but it means I'm not going to support Norway. I want Norway to lose every single game. This is the tip of the iceberg in terms of FAs and the the differences they do for men's and women's football. As of yet, the uh, the night the sorry the Jamaican FA technically fired their coach. So the Jamaican women's team technically doesn't have a manager. What they do have is the person who used to be their manager happened to go on holiday in France. Huh. He's just there in France, like oh no, I got fired. Let me just get the same flight as everyone on the women's team and take the same coaches as them and just end up in the stadium. Oh look at that. Um, <laughs> So that's one thing that's going on. Uh, I, I reported about this for the Athletic earlier in the season. Depending on who you are, um, depending on what team you play for in, in women's football in England, you can have Premier League standard healthcare where there is an ambulance on the stadium at all times. You get physios and whatnot to look after you. Or you can have nothing. Like nothing? Nothing. We're talking when Manchester United played Charlton in like December. a pickup game on, on Saturday. We're talking that level of nothing. So, so like uh, NHS is your is your bailout. Yep. yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There have been multiple there have been multiple uh, instances in the last two or three seasons of women's football in England where women have had to crowdfund uh, recovery because they you know NHS waiting lists and they they've like I broke my leg I can't go up. Um, this this will get better. Barclays have, have has committed to 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 sponsoring the women's game in England. So these these things will get better in the top level. But you compare this to what's going on in Argentina and, and like just how the Argentine FA is like, we do not give a shit about women's football. Damn. Or the Argentine FA is easily one of the most misogynistic FAs of all time. Um, no, Argentina, no, no, no. Like, you, you can only imagine. Do, do, do you know how like uh, John Obi Mikel would have to pay for the Nigeria stuff just to yep. make things go easier? Or Asamoah would pay for the Ghana stuff or all those types of things. Messi does the same thing for Argentina. I can only imagine what they do for the women if it's yep. nothing. This is, this is, this is, a really important World Cup because one, it's it's in a football mad country like France. There's one of five teams that could win it, and also this might be hopefully the last time we have a women's World Cup where the majority of players aren't professional. With enough oomph and gusto, we can finally get to a place where more women are being paid, and not just paid, but being paid good wages. So they say, oh, you know, West Ham women full-time they're full-time in terms of they get paid 16 and a half thousand pound a year you know but that's that i've, I've spoken about women's football for 25 minutes thank you for your time um i don't even want to get into it because we've already kind of talked about it before but like if you can't enjoy it it's just because your expectations or your just your mind frame isn't well, I mean, it's a different game like you're not going to see like neymar cristiano Mbappe has that kind of skill level kind of stuff you're not going to see the tight chess kind of thing in kind of games of the men's game that's not what's not going to happen but you're just going to just have a different form of entertainment and that's just what it is but but, but like it's like this like if you watch i don't know if you have a like a little brother or a little sister or and you go to one of their games i'm not saying these are like little people but it's just an analogy like 
you could go to a park right now and enjoy just people on a park watch playing a game. Like they aren't professional. You're not going to see Messi at your local gym, but you can still watch a game and still have interest in it. These are professionals. You can still enjoy it. And it has the the kind of backing of the nation behind it in terms of it's a World Cup. There's something at stake. They're representing their country, their family, that whole sisterhood kind of thing, you know? So yeah, there are we, things in are in the, this tournament to where it's enjoyable if you're open to it. If you're not open to it, then that says more about you than the football. Yeah. If you're the type of person that says money has ruined football, uh, I can't relate to any of the players anymore. Watch women's football because trust me, no one at that World Cup is doing it for the money. <laughs> like I said before, many of these women are amateur or semi-professional level, or even if they are professional, aren't being paid too much. They're playing with like the one or maybe two pairs of boots that they have, the boots that you, you can probably buy better quality boots or they're wearing boots that you'd get from Sports Direct or whatever retail or a Target. Like, this is truly players doing it for the love of the game. Do, do, do um, you know something that I find interesting is like, I'm watching the game now um, and it's in the final minute. Canada's going to win. You don't see people like diving. You don't really yeah. see people like cheating the game. Like everyone's diligent, working as hard as they can. It's more about the team than it is the individual. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that aspect of it. Oh, no, 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 no. See, see, and that's the difference because in like a semi or a final, if you're playing Italy or Argentina, they're going to die because it's about, because there's so much at stake for men. The way they feel is like, if I have to cheat, this is play the World Cup, we're going to win. Women, it's not, it's not, it's not like that. They, they play the game far more earnestly than what the men do. So, they're still diving. They're still fouling. I think China... China definitely went out to beat up Germany in that in that one 0 victory for Germany. Let's not claim it's all sweetness and light and innocence. There is just as much tactical intrigue in the women's game than there is in the men's game. I think it's one execution. So you're not going to get a team execute a high quality press in the same way Liverpool will because there just isn't enough players in women's football on an international level who are able to run 12 kilometers a game. So that's not possible. But you do see, like I said, it, it's a lot easier to understand what's going on because of maybe the quality levels are a bit lower. So everything's a lot clearer as to, oh, this team likes to cross. This team likes to do tiki-taka. This team wants to play counter-attack. This team wants to use a low block. So mm. if you're like a tactics nerd as well, not only are so many teams playing different tactics based on reasons, but it's v- that much clearer when it's going on because like you said, because it's a lot more about the team rather than the individual, because there are less Neymars and there's less Ronaldo's. It's very much about, can you get your 10 players to do this one thing? Um, so that's really interesting for me as well. All right, let's do some questions and then we can get out of here. Well, we got to record the, the extra, but you know. Um, so some of these questions were from last week. We apologize about last week. I probably should have let off the show with that. Um, sorry for the technical difficulties and everything. The podcast was a bit late, but if Lampard replaces Sorry, how well do you think Lampard would do at Chelsea with the transfer ban? I think they'll be Europa League easy. Europa. Europa. Europa League. All right. What ranks higher on that? That question was from E-M-E-N-T-Q-A. This is from Khan. What ranks higher on the list of comebacks? Beating Barca 4-0 or Istanbul? Istanbul, because you won the trophy. <laughs> Istanbul. Shouldn't FIFA get rid of the Club World Cup or make it every four years? I feel nobody watches it, and it just causes schedule congestion. They're expanding it, aren't they? It's expanding to a 16-team tournament, if I remember correctly. Please remind me of the FIFA president's name. Infantino. Infantino is has just been announced as the new 
future president. He won um, without competition. And his big thing is to expand the Club World Cup in the near future uh, from 2021. He what wants the, to, they he want wants to expand. Ex- he wants to expand it to uh, 32 teams and reschedule it to June. People, so he, he basically wants to do uh, his pl- idea is to have it replace the Confederations Cup, but change it into a Club Confederations Cup, as it were. So the very first version of the Club World Cup, as we know it, was in 2000, where Manchester United famously dropped out of the champ of the FA Cup to compete in it. This caused massive things in in um, English football at the time because United dropped out. To, of the FA Cup to compete in the tournament, people going, that is disrespectful to the FA Cup because United were the holders. But also, the sneaky reason as to why Manchester United did it was because the FA told them to do it because they thought it would help them win the 2006 World Cup bid. Uh, didn't come to pass. And then I, I remember, you know, it's a way it's been on, not, it's been on free TV sometimes, it's been on like Channel 5 and whatnot, but it's never been a big draw. Do you watch it? Did, no. Does anyone here watch the Club World Cup? Like, Double H, do you watch it? Nope. No. Is, isn't that the thing with like Fukushima antlers and Fukushima antlers? I, I mean, if you look at the hosts recently, so the next two, the 2019 to 2020 is going to be in Qatar, 2017 and 2018 is in United Arab Emirates. They're putting Qatar everywhere, man. Like they're in the Copa America. Yep. What? It's money. Money cash, cash. baby. Secretly, no, secretly, what they're trying to do is subliminally put in our brains like Qatar belongs, Qatar belongs, Qatar belongs, and then the World Cup in Qatar. Oh, I'm used to this. It's still stupid, guys. Like, you should have put a World Cup in the desert. That way, you have to play it in the winter. That's dumb. Anyway, go ahead, Carl. I I could happily live if the tournament was scrapped, Um, but it won't. It's going to be expanded. So, there we go. All right, have hope. What do PSG, Juve, and City need? This is a deep question. What do Juve, PSG, and City need to do to win the Champions League next season? As I feel those teams are elite clubs who need it most. Um, let's do one by one. For Man City, Pep needs to stop over- overthinking. For Juventus, um, it's about the kind of manager they have. Allegri is overrated. They just need to find the right creative midfielder and another attacking outlets to complement Christian and then they can win it. And for PSG, Sack took her higher Mourinho. Oh! <laughs> um, I was that really was... the final one. All right, from, from oh, Hazim, done again. you want a piece of that one, Carl? No, I said, oh, done again. Mourinho's skill is still a big game, so... Um, this is In from theory. Hazim. Conte's taken over at Inter and they have a big budget. What can we expect from them next year? So I believe Inter's in Champions League as well. So Yes, they are. They finished third. Um, so the big rumour, obviously, is... Oh, four. Four, sorry. Atlanta I mean, finished third. Atlanta finished third, which is amazing. We absolutely need to give them... You called that one, mm. didn't you, Carl? So shout out. I called I called them make the Champions League. I did not expect them to finish third. Um, amazing. The great thing about Atlanta is they basically do it by scoring loads of goals. And now forgive me here. I'm being incredibly blunt because their manager is not the perfect analogy for the manager I'm going to compare him to, but it's the closest one I can find. It'd be as if if Tony Pulis all of a sudden went, let's just start outscoring everyone and then a team and then Stoke finished third. Inter Milan's really interesting because before Conte got hired, Inter Milan were, were connected to basically every Premier League team that wanted to get rid of someone. So they were connected to Lukaku, they were connected to uh, linked with Sanchez, they were linked to Ozil. Now Conte's in charge. I don't think that will quite happen. I don't think Inter Milan's going to be the, the resting ground for all the Premier League ne'er-do-wells. I think 
think what's likely to happen is Nangaland will be off with one more season. Akadi will probably be sold on. I think Lukaku is likely to happen because if Akadi goes, Lukaku is pretty much a good replacement. Lukaku, I still think, is a fantastic striker and a good wide option. Please buy Alonso. Please buy Alonso. And <laughs> Moses. This is the thing. I think there's a lot. There's a lot of Premier League, Costa. A lot of Premier League teams that want Inter Milan to buy him, but Conte cannot save us all. We'll see. No, I don't need Conte to save us all. I need him to fix what he did. Okay, pay what you owe. If I can be Riley from Blue Dogs, bro, you brought in Zeppa Costa, you brought in uh, Alonso, you brought in Drinkwater. Take these guys back, man. Man, I, I give. I, here's, here's another one. I give you five pound. What do you think Drinkwater is going to end up next season? Burnley. Brick Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Siberia. That's it. That's, um, what, that's what we end the podcast there. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I want to respect these guys' questions. Um, from Gowan, what coach should replace Sorry if Chelsea want to keep attacking for Lampard? I mean, he seems pretty attacking, yeah. Or Blanc. I'm sure Blanc would come and Blanc play for hasn't had a job since 2016. Maybe he's been learning. He's but irrelevant. Also, he's like... Paul tells me about Block all the time about like how he's not exactly the greatest person. So oh yeah, he's a, he's hell he's hella racist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, racist, racist. How can Chelsea? How can Chelsea turn Hazard's sale into a Liverpool esque improvement? Like what they did when they sold Coutinho. Um, I'll answer this one by saying, you can't do it when you're transfer banned. Um, have y'all made? Good on watching a women's World Cup match. France look like early favorites, even though the U.S. women haven't played yet. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what the women do tomorrow. You guys will listen to that today. We'll see. Do you know who they're playing? Thailand. 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 Yeah. I'm sure they'll beat them by like five goals or something. Um, I think there are a bunch of people that want this particular question, so I'll ask them all at once. As of right now, Bernardo Silva has won all the domestic trophies, Man oh, City God. Player of the Year, UEFA Nations League, no, and the UEFA Nations League Player of the Year. Don't. Why are players like Salah and Mane ahead of him in the Ballon d'Or? He's not in the top five. Is he being overlooked? This might sound harsh, but is Santos holding Portugal back? They can play better football than they do. His tactics seem to be eight behind the ball and hope CR7 or Bernardo Silva nick a goal, but I think they can do better playing-wise. Top five Ballon d'Or. And does Bernardo Silva deserve to be in with a shout-out for the Ballon d'Or? Been unreal all season, um, won every trophy available to him bar one. So those are from Packed Mouse, Jay Nichols, Sammy1679 and Daniel Vincent. So basically the general gist here is should Bernardo Silva be in the Ballon d'Or conversation? Yes, but not top three. Should, there's definitely a conversation. No, for sure. He should be in the conversation, but he shouldn't be in it. But yeah, he should be in the conversation. But yeah, I can't say he, he's I can't say Bernardo Silva is the third best player in the world. That's that's disgraceful. No, he's top ten. <laughs> I think I think I, I think right now, in terms of writing top three players in the world are Messi, Van Dijk, Ronaldo. It feels weird to put Ronaldo there, but maybe the Nations League puts him over. But I definitely think Messi's up there. Uh, Van Dijk is up there. Edin? Can we can we say Edin or is this like the Europa League? Europa League disqualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Bernardo, Bernardo Silva is definitely top 10. Bernardo Silva will not be mentioned in there because, and I mean this with some respect and a large amount of roasting, Bernardo Silva is one of the most uninteresting people ever. Wait, who, who is this? Who? Bernardo Silva. Oh my God, what a dog. He has, he has surprisingly good English, by the way. Oh yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a wonderful boy. Wonderful, lovely, lovely human being. I was listening to his interviews. I was like, where's he from? Portugal. <laughs> wonderful, like lovely, effusive human being. But that's, I want to like, 
let's look at people Bernardo Silva has played with. He's played with Mbappe. He's played with Cristiano Ronaldo. He's played with Sergio Aguero. He's played with Kevin De Bruyne. Sterling. He, talk, he has next to no good stories. He, he's the exact perfect player for Pep Guardiola because he has no life other than football and tactics. And he will be a fantastic football player until well into his 30s. And he'll probably have a really good documentary or a biography written about him. But outside of football, there's nothing there. In, not in the not in the he's stupid way, but in the there is nothing of any particular interest that man has to say about why he prefers mangoes to pears. You can't tell you a good story about that, and that's why. Well, maybe maybe that's why he's so good at football, though. Like, he yeah, that's exactly so why. About it. That's exactly why he's good at football because he's just a footballing robot. Mm. He's Two questions left. Thoughts on Pep possibly joining Juventus this summer? If it does happen, happen, how do you think he will do with them in the Champions League and him finally teaming up with Ronaldo from FG? It's not going to happen, bro. Like, I know you want us to talk about it and you've been kind of campaigning for this, but nah, man, it's not going to happen. It's sorry, accept it. It's not going to happen, but if it happened, Juventus and Ronaldo would win another Champions League. That's it. And last question from Gowan, but this week's question. If I have hope specifically, does Ronaldo capturing yet another international trophy <clears throat> make him a horseman. Be respectful. Let me let me reiterate my points in case people don't understand. The minimum requirements to be considered for horseman status is a World Cup medal. It hasn't changed. In, did not change in 2010 when it was developed. Has not changed in 2019. The horseman status was was founded in 2010, and the rule then is the rule now. So who who uh, 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 we have this question about once every seven shows I want to say someone always asks us about it. So who are the next on the list? So we have Zizou, Maradona, Pele, Beckenbauer, and two Ronaldo. 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 OG Ronaldo. Ridiculous that you have, you call him the horseman and you have more than four guys. Bear in on mind, the list. JJ Okocha is a horseman, but in a hidden category. Yep. R- Robin as well. Yep. <laughs> No, oh, wow. you you guys are pretty knowledgeable, man. I'm, I'm I'm impressed, bro. So so who are the next names on the list that are qualified? Who's sitting in the green room of the horse? Oh, yeah, so so obviously green room. We have Ronaldinho. We have Ronaldinho Bath- has to wait. Um, well, easy, easy. Um, what, what, what's it called? Buffon was in the green room, but he got kicked kicked out after that. Against Man United, so yeah, we have, we have to throw him out. We we threw him out the window, so ho- hopefully he's, he's fine with his legs and everything. Um, Noya, we're not sure whether he, basically he's sort of in and out of the green room at the moment. So the guys who are fully in the green room right now are um, Lam and Ronaldinho. Where's Varane? Two people. <laughs> <laughs> You cold. You crazy for this one? Uh, uh, all right. So yeah, that that that's our enforcement <laughs> update. So that's the end of the questions. This has been Talking Tactics Podcast. We thank you guys for listening. Remember to follow us on SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook. The most important one's Twitter. If you would, we might be able to get a thousand on Twitter by the end of the year. That'd be nice. If you're on Spotify, follow us. Thank you. If you're on uh, Apple device subscribe it's free um but if you do want to help the show out we do have a patreon page um that's in the description as well you can check us out there three dollars a month you get your talking tactics extra this week i guess we're going to be talking i'm curious about half hope's trip to paris if carl stays we can talk about we can talk about spain 
And there was one thing on the timeline that I did want to discuss. So we'll get into that. Yeah, Argentina. <laughs> so uh, you'll get your 30 to 40 minutes uh, when you feel like looking it up this week. So, Carl, where can people get you? Anchorman616. Double H. That's half a pot. And I'm at Daniel to look. So talking tactics podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always for ball. Indeed. See you next week. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.